Welcome to the Triple V Podcast. Welcome to the 19th of June, 2022 Town Hall. For those on our streaming services, this podcast is split into two parts. For a seamless experience, please cue the second part of this podcast. All right, guys, for those guys listening in, if you could do me a favor and send into general chat what the attendance was of the last AMA you attended in a Discord server, which was not hosted by us. So if you have attended an AMA in any other server, please let me know what the attendance rate was for those. Because the past couple of AMAs I've seen were around like 50, 60 max. And these have been in quite big servers. Yeah, so we have 23, 50, 60, 36, 30, 30, 37, 37, 45, 60, 23, 35, 25, 69, 50, 50, 30, 50, 25, 23, 40. So everything is around like 20 and they seem to max out at 60. Yeah, I think, I think the majority, the average is probably around like... 30, 40, I would say, from the data I'm getting here. And the, the reason I, I've been, I'm, the reason I'm asking you guys is, you know, the attendance rate which we have in our server, to me, that means something. And it, it means something to me without any context, but it means more for the grand concept and the grand vision we have if we compare it to other servers who sometimes are 10 or 20 times bigger than what we have. And we have like twice to five times the attendance rate, which they have, you know, we have something going on. And I think the community is aware that we have something going on and that we are not just here to talk. We are here to do and to deliver. And we're not here to waste, waste your time. Every time you listen in, it's something of substance, something that's important for you individually. And everyone in the server brings in, a uh, high degree of motivation and enthusiasm for what we're building. So what you see and what you will continue to see is that more people will get more engaged. And, you know, we see the same trend with the VC sessions, which we have, which are continuously growing in the attendance rates. And to me, that means that we are doing something right. And it's simply amazing to have 130 people in here uh, just after we started. Uh, throughout all those different time zones and with the server just having been cleaned <laughs> for a couple of members so like 10% of the entire server are already attending and you know if I look at the data which I've seen from you guys just posted and I know some of the server have 10,000 uh, members you know it, it, for them it's like 1 to 5% which are actually attending so we are way ahead of the curve and I think we're going to keep crushing um, records on different levels, be it engagement, being overall uh, community success, being the NFT launch. I think uh, we are definitely on the right track. And I want to get started with a uh, uh, few things which are not on the topics list, um, which I can cover while some other people are still joining. Um, one thing which came up um, due to some of the news articles uh, in the past couple of days is um, hedge funds going underwater 
because they have been over leveraged and have not been uh, managing their risks uh, properly. And just as I said in the earlier uh, town hall meetings, we used the term hedge fund just for the description of what we're doing. I know that technically the, the term was not accurate because we're not intending to lose, uh, excuse me, we're not intending to use leverage uh, in any way, manner, or form. The investments which we have lined up and the investments which we intend to keep doing after we have established the fund do not require us to leverage capital to get more liquidity, to put in more money than we actually have. All those investments which we which are currently doing and which we will keep doing in the future, they are attractive enough that we do not need to use leverage. And we will not go into any 10% yield farms. We will not chase the 10% APY just because I know that I've never seen something like that play out in the long term. Usually you have, a, for me, a very small upside and still the potential of losing all the capital. So. Mm-hmm. Chasing like a 10% return on anything to me is just ludicrous. If we have opportunities like Snickerdoodle, for example, where if, if it goes right, we have a hundred X, a thousand X opportunity. So why would I even bother uh, chasing those returns? And we also don't need to deploy all the capital we have for the fund on day one. It's one of the examples which I just uh, spoke about with Scrout. If we have a $10 million fund, it's enough for, for us to, um, to deploy $1 million of that and deploy it smartly and deploy it into things which potentially can yield uh, $100,000 return. And then if, if that single investment goes right, then we already have, a, let's say that $1 million bucks makes a 2x, then we have... Um, Okay, let me start from the beginning so everyone uh, can follow me. So we have a $10 million fund. We invest $1 million. Those $1 million over the course of two years yield uh, 2x. So those $1 bucks become $2 bucks, And now the total size of the fund is $11 million. So the returns we have generated are 10%. And 10% is already on par with the usual hedge fund performance which you see in the conventional financial um, space. So without us risking all the capital we have, we can easily outperform all the other hedge funds. And the 2x is not something which we are chasing. I think a 2x is something that, for the sake of this example, is okay. But I would be disappointed if the, if the hedge fund doesn't continuously perform on a 10x average at least. Because if you just have... One investment which goes right, which is 100x, you know, all the other things which potentially might fail or yield uh, lower returns, they all get averaged up and you will end up with a performance which is on par with the average you see in the crypto space, which is around um, 130%, I think, for the last year. And this year it might, it might look different. That's going to be an interesting study uh, when PwC gives us the numbers for this year. Uh, I'm sure that the your average performance will not be uh, around 100% again, especially if you um, calculate for the ones who didn't return the money at all. Um, Scrout, was there something else which we wanted to cover before we get started? Uh, yes. Uh, 
so yeah, you already mentioned around that idea around the <clears throat> the fund. Uh, I wanted to quickly mention to those of you listening. Uh, I'm currently, you know, quietly in the background, uh, setting up a, a medium page where we're going to be posting uh, regular articles. And I so far, I've got a brilliant team of five. So that's uh, Crypto Girl 2, Dr. Rustio, Fred, Kirby Gives Tips, and Pickle Rick 2. Uh, at the moment, they uh, are going to be writing some articles for us. And we're going to be publishing them uh, regularly on our mediums and just kind of give that uh, insight onto what we're thinking uh, and other you know topics ranging you know how can blockchain help uh, medical industry or how can we use X technology within the web3 space or whatever so it's going to be very much exploratory and insightful articles and uh, I just want to make a quick uh, PSA to see if anyone else is interested in also writing for us um, you know we we yeah this would definitely help. For instance, you know, hint, hint, uh, secure your spot and become one of the glorious, um, what are they called? One of the survivors, uh, uh, especially that'd be very beneficial to us overall. Um, and yeah, if anyone's interested, just just ping a message and at me in the general chat. And throughout the call, I'll be messaging in and out just to kind of try and build up a nice team, uh, create a nice backlog. And then hopefully if we can create a good enough backlog with regular articles, I'll deploy some individuals to do some more investigative and kind of more journalistic uh, level stuff, which I think would be very exciting to see. All right. And we just have a question from Knox88 um, about the Snickerdoodle valuation, which was an unpriced soft agreement with a 500 million max. And he's asking, how would we do uh, 100 to 1,000 x there? Because to achieve uh, such a high market cap, it will be higher than Bitcoin's market cap right now. So what you have to keep in mind is that much of the value creation for the holder does not come from the fully diluted valuation, but from the market cap of the tokens in circulation. So while the, you know, you might have a, so there's two factors here. You have the, the market cap, which over time gets bigger as everyone gets vested. So you might have a, a spike early on, depending, depending on how the TGE is structured. And then it might decrease over time as more tokens get into circulation. But you also have the, um, the overall value of the project, which is going to increase over time. So if the project actually continues to del deliver value, your overall valuation is going to increase accordingly. And admittedly, the, the you know, if you look at the current valuations of other companies, it's very high. But if you see the overall vision and overall utility of Snickerdoodle to be integrated into a lot of the Web2 companies who haven't touched Web3 yet, I think it's not out of the picture that these guys can grow way past some of the um, top project projects we see out there. And I don't think that a uh, $1 trillion, um, market cap for them is out of the picture. All right. So now let's get started with the real AMA. So, oh, excuse me, with the real horn hall meeting. So first of all, you guys have noticed there's a new survivor's role. And now you need an explanation of what that role actually does. What does it mean? And how do you guys become survivors? And as we announced last week, 
to, uh, tomorrow we will have the next whitelist purge. And what it means is we will get rid of people from the ultimate mint sheet. And there's two kind of people who will lose their spot tomorrow. Um, we have one leaderboard, which is showing, and we, we will not publish that yet because it's not 100% accurate yet. Um, but we have one leaderboard, which shows me everyone and how much they invested since we launched VVV. And if you're not on, if you're not on that list, you will need to be on the other list, which I will um, post in general chat right now. And the second list goes back to the server activity. But please keep in mind that if I see you spamming the channels now and becoming active, you know, that's not going to help you. The, the list that's in place, it's taking into account the activity in the server over the course of the last week. And if you are not showing up in the investment list, and if you haven't been active in the server over the course of the past seven days, you will lose your spot in the ultimate mint sheet, which means you will lose your widest spot. And if you are not showing up in any of those lists, but you feel like you would be removed um, falsely, or if it would be unfair for you to be removed, then you will now find a new channel, which I will link here as well. And the channel is called Court. And what that means is that if you don't show up on any of those two lists and you feel like you would still be a value add to the community or you have a valid excuse why you maybe couldn't invest, let's say you're from the US, for example, but you also haven't been active in the server, maybe because of that very reason, but you have been... Uh, a silent uh, listener in the town hall meetings or you have been silently observing um, the different channels, then go to the court channel and state your case. And then it will be on the people with your survival role to judge whether or not they want to give you your whitelist spot back. So now you have both uh, things posted in general chat. You have the leaderboard, which is really just the... Um, Discord activity of the past seven days and then you have the court channel where if you don't show up on any of our lists and if you get removed or if you don't get the survivor role then please go to the court channel state your case and tell us why the community is better off with giving you the whitelist spot versus not having you included uh, in the mint and to be very clear here just because you show up on the activity board does not, not mean that you become a survivor. You already have to be on the ultimate mint sheet. And for security purposes, to reiterate this one more time, we will not have a mint per se. It will be an airdrop. So for you to prepare for the VVV mint on July 1st, you do not have to connect your wallet to anywhere. Everything will be done by us, by hand, and the reason why, I'm, why I want to do it this way is, one, the security reasons. I have seen so many projects where the minting goes live and then you have some smart-ass hacker uh, who is exploiting the smart contract, who is minting 100 NFTs or whatever, and then it ruins the entire value of the NFT for the other holders. So 
I'm not a smart contract expert, so I don't want to run into that risk. And my um, contract has already been audited uh, by a couple of experts and has been um, approved for being safe and doing the things which I wanted to do. I will mint all 5,000 NFTs with the VVV wallet, wallet, and then I will start sending out all those NFTs to everyone who remains on the ultimate mint sheet. And this makes it safer for uh, the community as well, because you don't have to mint. Even if there's a surprise mint announcement, you guys know there will be no mint. So hopefully, if one of the bots gets compromised, for example, no one falls or something like that. And one more nuance to the leaderboards. Once we release the... Um, once we release the investment leaderboard, where everyone is ranked by how much they have invested with BBB, um, keep that ranking in, in mind because that ranking will be congruent with the rarities of the NFTs you get. Meaning the guy who invested the most with BBB will also get the most rare NFT. And then it will be um, according in the order of the leaderboard who gets which rarity of the NFTs. All right, so let's jump into the next topic. And the next topic is, did VVV just buy more Snickerdoodle? And the answer is yes. I went back and bought a small allocation uh, on top of what we already have. And this will be reserved to reward the guys who end up um, surviving the, uh, all the purchase and who are ending up being the first getting the airdrops. And I'm still thinking of how to actually distribute um, the allocation which we bought. I'm not sure if we're going to do like a public claim for holders or if we will just um, distribute it maybe for free or distribute a part for free to everyone who mints. Um, but I'm thinking of something which makes sense and which is going to reward everyone um, who either mints the NFT or who buys it on secondary. And I will just quickly look through the general chat if you have any um, questions which are relating to what I just said. And then I will move on to the next topic. Yeah, so Crypto Girl, and I, can, I think I can feel what you're, what you're implying here. Uh, so the question is, so whales will get the most rare NFTs? And the answer is yes. And the reason why I think it's viable to do it this way is because whether or not you're, you're a whale or not, if you look at the leaderboard, at some point, you know, it will transition from whales to just people who have put a lot of faith and trust into what we're building. And I want to reward these people and I want to do it in a, in a way that's fair and that's smart. And I think giving the most valuable, valuable NFT to the guy who has trusted us with the most money is a fair exchange of value in my eyes. If someone has put in, I think the highest number we have is like 15K or something. So if someone puts in 15K, you know, he has earned to becoming the holder of the most rare NFT. And I think, you know, and, and, and this, this goes a little bit into the, the next topic. My intention is to find the right holders and also to find the right holders for the right NFTs. And I think the guy who has taken the most risk with his own money to be involved in VVV 
I think he has earned his right to hold the most rare NFT. And I also think the likelihood of something like uh, someone like that getting the most rare NFT for them selling, I think it's it's very low. And I would be most happy if the um, trading volume remains zero, <laughs> where you know everyone got what they deserved and what they wanted. And I think by doing it this way, um, it's the safest for the community. Where the, to me, there's little benefit in um, making the rarities random and running into the risk of someone who might slip onto the ultimate mint sheet, getting the most rare NFT and then dumping it on secondary. You know, the value of the collection comes from the right people holding the right NFTs and the holders understanding. Um, just got distracted by Exec posting this. So Exec, I'm not sure if that, if that 19K is accurate because, I, you know, if I do the math, I think 19K is not possible with the investments which we've made. So maybe, there, you know, there, there might be some mathemat mathematically, uh, mathemat <laughs> some error in the math uh, on our sheet. So we have to double check. But I, I think it realistically, it's something around 15K. I don't think that 19K um, is possible. But regardless, you know, the, the leadership has a purpose and the purpose is to reward the guys who have trusted us the most with the most rare NFTs. I think that's a, uh, a fair exchange of value. And by the way, not all the whales have participated in all investments and, and have always maxed out the allocation. So they will, you know, admittedly, they have a higher, um, they have more opportunities to get higher allocations in total and get higher up on the leaderboard. But you will see that some of the rare NFTs actually go to regular holders or regular members. And Stroud, would you mind tagging me uh, on the questions which are important? And I don't have to scroll up again and um, break the flow of the AMA. Yeah, for sure. No worries. Okay, thank you. Okay, so what I will do next is cover the um, VBB Season 1 white paper. And I will do this very broadly, um, just talking about... Uh, the concept and my thought process of how I think we protect the OG minters most and drive the most value to those who are currently with us without discounting the value of people who come in late or of people who only see the value of BVV over the course of the next weeks or months. Because, you know, some of the high-caliber people, they might first have to see uh, a floor price at a specific height for them to see, hey, VVV is actually serious. And we're not just messing around and launching something which is not thoughtfully structured. And, you know, to, to get to the actual point, we, have, we will have to go through some of the fundamental questions um, around launching an NFT collection. And the very first question is, what makes a successful NFT project? And to me, fundamentally, it's, it's two things. You either have to find the right holders or you have to create more demand than you have supply. And finding the right holders is infinitely more difficult than just creating more demand. Because if, you, you know, if it's just about creating demand for your collection, 
you can go on Twitter, you can go on different mediums and you can create hype. And, you know, what you've seen from other projects as well, you can go out and lie and you can talk about a lot of the upcoming value without having the value today. And it's pretty easy to create that, that hype and to create something that's just minting out because of artificially created demand. And the, the big risk here is that if you, if you go with the way of just creating high demand with a limited supply, what you will eventually see is that the floor spikes, but then it's going to come down again. And then the question really is, how much is the floor price going to cave in? And I think you guys have observed uh, enough uh, NFT projects where you have seen the mint happening, then the, the thing minting out, then the floor price spiking, and then there might be a reveal, and then the floor price is caving in again. And then it settles down somewhere between the peak and between the initial mint price. And sometimes it, it even falls back to the mint price or even goes below the actual mint price. And that happens when people realize a lot of, a lot of this was just hype, and then um, the NFTs trade hands, and the NFTs go to those people who want to actually stay with the project. But the issue here is that many times people buy in because they want to get in and they actually like the project, but they buy it at a floated value. So they eventually end up being a holder, but they, the price for being a holder is not just the price of the NFT. They might also have pay, paid the price of loss of value of the NFT because they bought in at the peak. So what you're really doing here is you're punishing the guys who actually want to be in your project because you pump up the price just for the sake of the thing minting out, just for the sake of you making all the money on day one and then potentially making even more money on the royalties on OpenSea. And so some more for, thoughts on this before I, I get to the, the point of what we have been doing. Um, one big question which I, have for, which I had for myself and which I've seen from observing some of the other projects is, is your utility and whole value established on day one or does some of the value come through the floor itself and then the project growing over time which means for for the project itself to be, to be getting taken serious in the space is it helpful to have a high floor price and i think the obvious answer is yes something that's trading at 5 eth i think is going to be looked at differently than something that's trading at 0.5 eth and now we come to, is the actual value the highest on mint day or is the value of the project going to be the highest somewhere down the line once you accomplish the milestones of your roadmap? And I think something which we have seen in the NFT space is that many times the value of the entire collection is the highest shortly after the mint date. And to me, that's not right because your projects usually, or most of the NFT projects usually have milestones lined up. So you would assume that every time they accomplish such a milestone, the value of the NFT collection gets increased, right? But so many projects peak out on day one. And, you know, I think a big reason for this is that whoever is launching the collection, if they set out to mint every single NFT on day one, they also cash out 100% of all the money they could make on day one. 
So the incentive for them to keep delivering on the milestones is rather low because they're not going to make more money while accomplishing all those milestones. Now the milestones are pretty much just made to keep all your um, day one minters happy or to keep the guys happy who bought in on secondary market. And to me, this is a, a dangerous mix. If you give up your own incentive to keep delivering value because you already cashed out on day one and you put all the pressure on the community for them to hold on to that NFT and for them to keep believing that even if you don't have an incentive to keep, keep delivering the, the milestones, um, that's where you end up seeing those spikes in floor price and then the floor price comes down and then you know many times now the, the floor price is so low that the entire community is in a bad mind, uh, excuse me, that the entire community is in a bad sp space of mind because many have lost uh, money and now you have the, the founders who have already cashed out and then you have a lot of negativity in the community and now you have such a bad mixture of chemistry where I think the, the likelihood of the project actually succeeding is going to get increasingly, incre <laughs> increasingly lower simultaneously as the floor price is decreasing as well. Um, let me just quickly look through the questions here before I keep continuing. What about looking at, so one of the questions is, what about looking at the percentage of our allocation that we filled? I'm not a whale, but I've invested in 100% of what was offered. Respectfully, more money doesn't equal more trust. I don't plan on selling, but I still want to look cooler than, <laughs> than everybody else. <laughs> um, I think that's a good idea. Um, Exec, if you're listening, would you? I mean, it's probably going to be a big pain in the butt, but um, would you mind looking into whether or not we can do this by weighing the leaderboard? For maybe we just have different leaderboards, maybe we just create three kinds of leaderboards one for whales, one for sharks, and one for general holders. And then we make it so that the rarities are according to NFT types as well, meaning the regular holder who has invested the most gets the most rare dolphin, for example. And then the whale who has put in the most money gets the most rare whale. And then the shark who has put in the most money gets the most rare shark. I think that might be the better solution indeed. <laughs> All right, Exec. Amazing. Thank you very much. Someone was asking, is the supply still staying at 5K? Yes, supply is not going to change. And I will cover that uh, with my next couple of points, which I want to make. Someone was asking, will there ever be season two for BBB, not counting the hedge fund NFT? Uh, the question, uh, excuse me, the answer is, I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't thought so far into the future yet. My, my highest priority today is July 1st, getting the season one mint done. Uh, with perfect execution, then the focus after that is the hedge fund NFT, uh, and and maybe we have. <clears throat> so I I forgot to cover this earlier, and this is something some of the pain points uh, which Stroud has, has uh, effectively pointed out uh, repeatedly, and we will get rid of the phrase hedge fund NFT. So what we're going to call it is block. <clears throat> we're going to call it blockchain fund. So the NFT is also going to be called blockchain fund NFT. And there's a, a variety of reasons why we want to do this. Um, one, 
simply is the negative connotation that comes of crypto fund. And then you also have the you know technical inaccuracy of us calling it hedge fund. So the, the term going forward is going to be blockchain fund, which is more in line with us not leveraging and with us investing into the actual infrastructure slash technology behind blockchain. So we are not really, you know, crypto fund wouldn't be 100% accurate either because it, you know, it would imply that we more or less um, invest on the surface of crypto, but we really go much deeper with the investments which we make and with the the projects uh, which we find uh, it's really that we invest in the, into the underlying um, technology and infrastructure of the entire blockchain ecosystem. So blockchain fund uh, and, and full credit to Scout for um, coming up with the right terminology uh, is going to be the name going forward. So let me scroll down back here again. Yeah, and we will we will be able to um, work through the um, complications of having the leaderboard set up with more variables. Yeah, I, I think you can resolve that issue. I think every time we see someone putting in more than 1K, you know, it, it can only be a whale, right? And that doesn't mean that every time someone is putting in less than 1K, it, it's not a whale, but I think it should be fairly easy to get to a leaderboard, which is maybe not 100% accurate, but accurate enough to reward the right people. All right, so let me get back to the uh, different points of the um, of the current topic. Um, yes, <clears throat> and and this is you know one of the terminologies which I've been very off since they came about is the phrase "shaking out the paper hands." And you really have to think about what does that actually mean? What does it mean to shake out the paper hands? And to me, what it means is if you have to do that, that means you have picked the wrong holders for your NFT to begin with. Because if I pick the right holders from day one, I don't have to shake anyone out. So why does someone put, put so much emphasis on shaking out the paper hands? Why don't you, you, know, why don't you launch the project with the right people to begin with? Why do you have to launch it in a way where you attract the wrong people. And then all you do with shaking out the paper hands is destroying the value for the original holders. And while you punish your original holders and the floor price tanks, you will see that the sentiment in the community is getting more and more negative and it's getting more and more toxic. So why not start doing it the right way, like right from the get? Why not <clears throat> shake out the paper hand, so to speak, before there's any money to be lost for the action holders. And that's what you see us doing at the moment. We are getting rid, and, and I, you know, and I agree, it's not always 100% accurate. You know, I might throw out someone who might actually be a good holder. But if that happens, they still have the opportunity to earn their way back in. And I would, you know, I would much rather err on the side of throwing out one or two people who might not have deserved it than keeping in 10, 20 people who are just here to dump the NFT. You know, to, to me, it's always a risk-reward ratio. And to me, the, the reward of throwing out more people than I have to is bigger 
than the risk of keeping more people than actually deserve to stay. <clears throat> so what are the actual pros and cons? Because I really want to, you know, I really want to go through this point because it's super, super important for the overall success of BBV. And it's a big learning, which I have, which I took away from closely observing many other NFT projects. And some of those, uh, you know, some of, some of them have been really prestigious, but I've managed to ruin the experience or the value for the original minters, you know, almost to like 95%, which is just mind boggling. <clears throat> but let's go through the, the, the pros and cons here and, and why you don't see anyone else doing this. So what are the cons of what we currently do? It takes an inordinate, uh, it takes a, an inordinate amount of time to, for the entire project to actually mint out. And we all know that if something does not mint out in an hour or in a day, then what you will see is that the floor price is going to tank and everyone is going to fund the project and you're pretty much left with a dead NFT collection. So you have the risk of it taking a lot of time for the project, actually, for the collection to actually mint out. So you will have to have a mechanic in place which protects the original minters from the guys who might come in late or from the entire collection not minting out. And this is one of the points I will get in uh, a little bit later. First, I want to go through all the, the cons and pros which we have uh, from holder screening. So another con which you have is that it requires a lot of resources. It's not as easy as automating the entire process. You have to go through many of the holders by hand and you have to dedicate additional people to actually screening everyone. So what you will see currently is that I'm actively screening everyone because I'm uh, very active in the server. I interact with people. I keep an eye on who attends the MAs. I keep an eye on who invests and how much and so on. But there's a lot of people working on the back end facilitating everything. So you have Helena, for example, who has spent hours and hours and has worked 12 and 16 hour days just working on the ultimate min sheet and working with the multi-min sheet to make sure that we don't have people claiming more NFTs, which they deserve, and we don't have people ending up on the ultimate mint sheet who shouldn't be a part of the community. And then you have people working on the back, back end, like Exec, like Squabba, like Greatness from Beginnings, are, and also like, uh, Poops, who are working on getting the leaderboard together and getting it together in the most accurate way. And also working in the academy, where we keep track of the, those people continuously putting in the efforts of completing the homework, but also showing a high degree in motivation of them improving. And by them improving, indirectly, the community benefits as well. Because if everyone in the community is working on improving themselves, we will have a much higher uh, quality of conversations and members in the entire server. Um, and this ties into the next point and to one of the next cons you cannot just go out and, and screen your holders or your future holders you have to do it in a sensible and logical and in a fair process and that's super difficult to establish and you have to put in a lot of creativity and, and thought into actually finding a way to do that and to do it accurately enough 
which keeps everyone happy. <clears throat> and that's going to tie again in the next point where if you do this, if you don't just keep the slap happy mentality and let just everyone mint who somehow got on the whitelist, what you will see is that you will disgruntle a lot of people who you're throwing out. Because obviously, if, if I pick someone, in the, in, if I uh, throw them out of the server, you know, more likely they're not they're going to disagree with the decision, right? So what happens now? Now I throw someone out and they will go someplace else and they will talk badly about what we're building. So that's one of the real risks of doing this. Uh, of doing this. Even if you explain yourself, even if you explain the reasoning, you know, you might still generate a lot of negative PR. And, you know, I have no issue with that. I think any PR is good PR, even if someone talks badly about us, you know, as long as they talk about us, I think you're doing something right. Um, and with us being 100% transparent with all this, the, the single decisions which we make and with us having eyes and ears in every server out there, you know, we will always be able to to actually lie, uh, lay out the reasoning behind every single decision. And then, you know, everyone can judge for themselves and see whether or not that actually was fair or unfair. And now one of the potentially biggest cons, not for the process itself, but for the motivation why someone would actually go through all the trouble is as a founder, you can cash out and make the same amount of money without doing all the screening and, uh, and without having all the, the hassle of doing it, without disgruntling people. You can keep everyone happy and make all the money up front by just not doing it. So, you know, it really comes down to the founder really no, not having any incentive to actually do it. The only incentive which you have is that by doing it, you're going to increase the overall server value and you're going to increase the likelihood of your project being successful. But that presumes that whoever's launching the project actually intends to be around in a year or in two years. Or it presumes that whoever's launching the project, he actually wants to go all in in building it. If that's not the case, then obviously, why would I go through all the trouble if I can make the entire amount of money up front without having all the additional hassle. So it really comes down to there not being any logical reason other than you really, truly want to build something great for you know, going through all those troubles. Uh, let me catch up with some of the questions before we dive into the pros of that approach. Okay, that's a long question. Uh, bear with me while I read it out. Um, and I'm not sure if I pronounce your name correctly, but Akai user is asking, curious to your short-term plans, one to three years. Typically, hedge funds would have bonds trading and, like you said, using dangerous amounts of leverage with clients' funds. Currently, you're offering us a more than generous free service of allocating uh, al at excuse me, free service of allocation to tokens. Besides minting the NFTs that will fund VVV to begin with for the overhead of business. Ultimately, you will need to take some risk with clients' funds if you want to compete with the majors, which I believe we will, will be doing. As VVV gains traction and more whales by NVR, the NFT hedge fund access, how does VVV grow into billions without locking up capital and using it? Where do you see the potential for upside and downside risk 
of the VVV project. Okay, so because I don't want to deviate too much from the topics today, but to give you a very brief and summarized answer to this, um, the VVV, and now I'm going to, with the, to go with the new uh, terminology here, the VVV blockchain fund NFT is going to be a separate mint. And that mint is going to be differently priced than the VVV season one NFT. And I plan on raising somewhere around 3.5 to $5 million with the blockchain NFT and then deploying that capital together with institutional capital in a blockchain fund with a total size of around $10 million. And now you talk about the risks um, of that blockchain fund. The, the risks are very simple. The, the risk is us losing 10 million bucks. And the upside is taking that 10 million bucks and turning it into 100 million or into a billion. And you know, to go from 10 million to, to a billion, it's only, you know, in quotes, obviously, <laughs> you know, it's only 100x, right? It's not something which is unheard of or which is completely impossible. And we are also not hard-pressed to yield that 10x or 100x return over one, two, or three years. The lifespan of a, of a fund usually is somewhere around five to seven years. And that's the, the window we have given ourselves. We want to take around five to seven years to um, reach that uh, 10 to 100x uh, average return on the $10 million, which we will raise for the for the launch of the fund all right if there are no more questions to that topic i'm going to keep going back to the topic of the holder screening and the pros um, for the founder and also the pros for the community so the pros for the community are pretty obvious you have higher quality members and you have a higher floor price and again uh, you know, the usual legal disclaimer, this is not financial advice. If you mint the NFT, if you buy the NFT on secondary market, there's a good chance for you to lose all your money, right? So don't buy the NFT if you expect a return. Use it only for the utility of it providing you access to allocations in seed and private rounds of blockchain-related projects. That being said, I think by making sure that the right people end up holding NFT, the likelihood of your floor price being exponentially greater than of the projects who do not screen their members is very high. And you know, just to give you my, my goals for what we what I'm you know what we're currently building, my goal is for the VVV season one NFT to end up with a floor price of 5 ETH and therefore flipping a couple of the competing projects and a couple of the, you know, maybe more established NFT collections on, on the market. And I think that's, you know, a fast achievement. It's, it's pretty realistic because we have been extremely cautious of who is going to end up on the ultimate mint list. And I think our holders value the utility of the NFT much more than they value 5 ETH. And especially, you know, with the current uh, value of NFT itself, and you know, I think five E is you know pretty ridiculous for an NFT um, of that magnitude which we have. Um, but I think five E 
you know, as a floor price, I think that's a realistic target which we which we can have. And so, and now, now one of the the pros which you know indirectly come to the benefit to the community as well. If we do it the way which I'm going to explain to you, you know, in the next point, is if it's if it's done right, if the holder screening is done, is done right, and if, you, if the the overall mint of the NFT is done in you know the fashion which I'm going to outline shortly, then what you will see is that the founder is actually capable of generating more profits from the overall collection, and with the founder being able to generate more profits there will also be more resources available to actually build and execute on the milestones which have been set out to achieve for the, for the entire project. And now that's going to, to go into the, next, um, into, the, into the next topic here, which is the VVB uh, Season 1 Mint Phase 1 explanation. And you know, with me throwing out the term Phase 1, that already implies that there will be Phase 2, Phase 3, and so on, right? And the biggest topic for that for today is how do we protect the early minters and stakers? Let's take an example of uh, you know Collection X, which has launched uh, in the crypto space. They launch ten thousand NFTs. They start to mint, and then they only mint two thousand, and then the buying or minting demand stops, and no one is going to mint anymore. So what happens now? There have been 2,000 people who bought into the collection. And out of those 2,000 people, there will be a variety of people who have not been screened and identified as actual suitable holders. So what you will see now is that 2,000 people minted, but a lot of them minted the NFT with an expectation of making a profit or making a quick flip. So now the project has not minted out. And those people are now getting afraid of even getting their initial uh, minting funds back because they didn't buy the NFT for the utility or you know for the art. So now they will start listen. Uh, they will now start listing the NFT on secondary market, and everyone is going to start to um, place lower bids and lower offers. And now you will see the overall floor price of the collection dropping below uh, below the mint price. So I think by now we know that every time an, a collection does not mint out immediately, the risk of it dropping below mint price is very high. And we forget that projects like Board a Yacht Club, for example, those took days to mint out because they did not rely on the hype and on the expectations of the NFT actually yielding a return those people who bought those nfts initially they bought it because they like what they bought and if you like what you buy you don't sell it or you don't sell it as easily or at least you don't have the intentions of just selling it again for the sake of making a profit so your intentions as a holder and minter are very different than if you have a project for example which is just generating hype and is then just driven on the context of going to the moon or everyone making it and so on. An NFT collection only has value or only has high value if everyone believes in it either becoming more valuable in the future or if it's providing a certain utility 
and then you know slash value to the ones holding it i.e if the value of holding it is greater than the value you would get for selling it and before we continue uh, with the topic i want to throw a sneak peek into general chat and what that sneak peek is it's uh, a preview of our staking site and 100% of the credit goes to Pandora uh, who has been kind enough to execute on this super super quickly and I think by looking at the the preview and sneak peek here of the the, the staking site you will get a good idea um, of what's coming and you know after you guys have taken a look um, I will dive into explaining the uh, technicalities and most importantly I will explain how I intentionally am not going to allow the project to mint out and how that's going to be more valuable to the holders than me just filling up all the wider spots and just making sure that we mint out within one hour for example so I'm going to post the sneak peek right now I'm going to take a two-minute break. Um, you guys can have a look. You guys can read through um, what has been posted. You guys can start um, posting some questions which are relating to the sneak peek. And then I will be back to answer them. And then I will explain the um, tokenomics of the NFT collection, so to speak, which really just come down to um, protective mechanisms um, to protect the initial minters and holders and which will also add additional benefits to those guys coming in late because I think there doesn't have to be a compromise between the OG minters and those guys just realizing the value of the collection later on. I think there can be synergies where the early minters benefiting and the guys coming in late who actually see the value of the NFT benefiting as well uh whilst sean is taking this quick break i'm gonna take this opportunity to just mention uh one or two things that we're going to be bringing uh soon uh first is we've been hearing a lot of reports uh not necessarily from the, this community itself but a lot of uh reports around discord uh, exploits and individuals friend requesting others and an exploit where the IP can be taken, further information can be taken from such individual, and uh, possibly even some reports around uh, individuals having their accounts compromised. Uh, in light of that, uh, in the next few days, if not in the next week or so, we're going to be implementing a ticket bot system. Uh, this is used wise, uh, widely in many Discord servers, and this is to help reduce uh, risk for us within the admin team, um, you know, myself, uh, Helena, Sean, um, because we cannot afford the risk of having um, foul play uh, in regards to someone uh, hijacking an account, especially once we start uh, getting large attraction and more people jumping on board uh, into the Discord itself. Um, so any f from some point in the next few days uh, all interaction uh, and all you know private messages 
uh, will be done through that ticketed system uh, just to kind of add that extra layer of security. Um, and again, just to reiterate uh, what uh, Sean said, um, we will not be doing a mint. It will be an airdrop. So if worst case, you know, God forbid there were to be an exploit uh, and either one of the bots in our Discord or one of the admin accounts gets compromised and starts posting a link regarding, uh, you know, a mint and, you know, sign up your wallet here and you'll get your dolphin or your whale. That is uh, a complete scam. And we very much uh, will, <laughs> we will reiterate this a couple more times, but we, we, we're very much hoping at this point, uh, many of you will understand that that is clearly not how we're going to function. And we are only going to um, do this do this airdrop and any future raises as well is going to be done completely on the website as has been done uh, recently with um, Snickerdoodle, uh, sorry, with Nodal uh, on the website itself just to kind of limit any more links. Um, for now, on the proposals channel, we will remain uh, and we'll continue the use of that uh, Google form to inject more pro proposals uh, into our pipeline. However, at some point, that's also going to go straight from the website, just so then we have a one-stop shop uh, for all the information regarding Triple uh, B. All right, Scott. Thank you for filling in the silence. Um, so Kirby is asking something which, which we have uh, discussed internally um, as well, and that's the: uh, Do you have a continuity? <clears throat> do you have a continuity plan? I I'd hate for you to get hit by a bus, but a lot of us here specifically because of you as an individual. Do you have plans to elevate someone as your vice president or mentee over the coming months here so this VV idea can continue beyond you? <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going anywhere, but it, you know, it's a, it's a um, sensible concern. And I, I, I still don't know what the... Um, accurate English term is, but um, uh, a family member of mine who I can trust 100% has full power of attorney if I die and they will also have access to all the wallets and to everything and they will be able to um, hand over the um, responsibility and, you know, in quotes, the power of running VVV um, to someone um, who has qualified to do so. And, you know, at this point it will be someone from the BVV team, if that happens. Uh, someone is asking about uh, an update for the U.S. non-accredited members. Um, yeah, I can give you an update now. Um, and I'm, I've, I've said this in the last uh, town hall meeting uh, as well, but let me just reiterate and underline this once more. The highest and only focus of the blockchain fund at the moment is to accommodate the U.S. non-accredited members. This is the only thing which we focus on at the moment. Everything else does not matter. The only thing which we need to accomplish, you know, at least from my point of view, is to find the best way. And it's not, it's not about finding a way because, you know, it's very easy to find a way to allow the non-accredited investors to participate. That's not the issue. The, the thing is to find the best way for the non-accredited investors out of the S to participate in the blockchain fund where they still have the benefits 
of the NFT being actively tradable on the secondary market. I think that's really the only thing um, which you have to overcome. And one of the solutions for that would be, and you know, let, let me just take a step back here. The, the thing is on OpenSea is not made for trading securities. So the hedge fund NFT, actually, I still, still am used to the old terminology. Uh, the blockchain NFT, you know, is not, the, let's let me, let me phrase it this way. OpenSea is not the best place to trade the blockchain NFT. And there might also be limitations depending on how we solve it of how you can actually trade the blockchain NFT once you own it, at least as a US citizen. So what I'm having in mind is potentially combining the blockchain NFT with launching a marketplace for trading securities. And all of this would be 100% compliant and 100% made in accordance to current laws and regulations, but would also be made in a way where it, where it prepares us for the changing regulations in the EU as well. Because the EU, over the course of the next one or two years, they will come up with something like the term non-accredited investors as, as well. And I can almost guarantee you they will lock out EU citizens from IDOs, seed round investments, private investments, and so on as well. This will not remain the Wild West forever. And it, you know, I think the current bear market is a good example where a plethora of people have lo lost a lot of money and all those complaints eventually will be um, aimed at the government and people are going to scream for regulations, they're going to scream for protection and then you will he have a similar um, regulatory framework in place as with the SEC in the US today. So to me, it makes sense to come up with a solution which is not just accommodating the US non-accredited investors, but it's also future-proof if that terminology goes into other countries like um, Germany, the UK, and so on. I think we have to c come up with the best possible solution for the non-accredited US investors today. And ideally, that solution is also something which is uh, simultaneously future-proofing what we do for everyone else as well. Okay. Um, so let me jump back into um, the VVB Season 1 Mint Phase 1 explanation. How do we protect the early minters and stakers, especially under the context that we intentionally are not aiming to mint out on day one? So the concept here is very easy. So, you know, bear with me while I lay out the, the, the very um, basic points of how we accomplish the uh, minter and staker protection. And, and, you know, again, this is not an insurance. This is not a guarantee that you're not going to lose all your money by minting. I mean, if you buy the NFT, if you mint or if you buy on secondary, you know, I'm not guaranteeing you that you're going to make money off the NFT. You know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is a mechanism which, in my opinion, is highly protective of the minters and the stakers and is also setting 
levers in place where the likelihood of the price increasing over time is greater than the likelihood of the price decreasing over time. But again, this has never been done before. You know, I might be completely wrong and you might end up with, you know, holding uh, NFT, which is not valuable at all. So the, the concept here is establishing the floor price first, which means we have 5,000 NFTs. All those 5,000 NFTs are going to get minted into the VVV vault. And out of the vault, you will see the airdrops to everyone on the ultimate mint sheet. So now we have, let's say you have a, a thousand unique holders of the first uh, 1,300 NFTs. And then you have the rest locked up in the vault. This is pretty much the exact same scenario which you will see on any of the tokenomics of any of the projects which you have invested in. It's almost always the same. It's, it's almost identical to like a vesting schedule of the tokens, except that this would, you know, phase one would pretty much equal the seed round. And then phase two would be similar to um, a strategic round. Then it would have phase three, which would equal like a private round. And we will continuously keep distributing the NFTs out of the vault, but we will do it in a way, um, and I will, I will explain this in the, in the next couple of steps, we will do it in a way we're just driving additional value to the phase one minters, but simultaneously it's going to reward everyone who's getting in as well. And, and let me explain how, how we're actually going to do this. So um, <clears throat> now we have the scenario, we have, a, you know, uh, let's say we have uh, 3,700 NFTs still locked in the vault and we have uh, 1,300 in circulation. So now those 1,300 in circulation